Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm your host, Bernadette Walsh, and I'm so pleased to introduce my guest today, Michelle Major. A Cincinnati native, Michelle Major writes sexy and sweet contemporary romances. Michelle is a Publishers Weekly best-selling author of over 30 romances, including The Marius Magnolia. So welcome, Michelle, to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh no, I'm so I'm so pleased you could join me today. Now, maybe you could tell uh, our listeners a little bit about your writing journey. How long have you been writing professionally? I would love to. I was my first um, my first romance novel, and it was published with Harlequin in one of their category lines. Was published in 2013. So before that, I, I spent probably five to seven years working on my craft, getting a lot of rejections, um, piling up those, those rejections and critiques and contest entries. And, but from that moment, from the, from the first book, um, I quickly, I'm a pretty prolific writer. I write, um, four to five books a year and it kind of took off from there so um, I've written I've published I've done some indie publishing as well as with Harlequin and Montlake which is the romance division of Amazon publishing since then okay so you spent a couple of years just learning now what made you want to try writing Had you done, um, was writing part of your day job before this, or is it just something you always had an interest in? It was not part of my day job before I came to romance. I did always have an interest. I was a journalism major in college and worked in public relations and advertising for a few years and then moved into human resources, actually. And it was the time of the dot-com bubble, and I was working for a technical firm, and my job, unfortunately, was to fly around the country and lay people off because um, the company I worked for ended up going bankrupt, and it was it was an it was it was a horrible part of the job, and also pretty emotionally draining, and I developed this fear of flying and. Um, it was hard to get on that plane every week and kind of on a whim, I picked up a romance novel in an airport bookstore and it totally took me away and I wasn't thinking about flying over the Rocky Mountains, which I fly out of Denver and it's always bumpy if you're going west and I wasn't thinking about what I was going to do. I was just so caught up in this story at the same time, I realized that kind of the stories that I told myself in my head were actually romance plots. And I had never read romance before that time. I came to the genre 
fairly late and but once I did I I made up for it with a lot of reading and then realized that that's that was my dream job yeah it is a dream job it's it certainly it certainly is mine I, I, I'm still you know plugging away at the day job um, but it sounds like you've had enormous success in a relatively short period of time maybe you could talk a little bit about those five years when you were still learning your craft. Now, I think with the self-publishing, a lot of people don't have the discipline to kind of wait until they get there, right? They'll, they'll take their first novel, they'll think it's great, maybe send it around a little bit, and then self-publish it, which is never really a, a good roadmap to success. But it sounds like you took a more disciplined approach. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yes, I I love the word a more disciplined approach. I it might have had more to do with I was still working my day job, and I had two little kids at home. So um, in hindsight, I would like to tell you it was discipline. I think it was more I had so many balls in the air that I was trying to juggle them all. Um, but I did feel really strongly that when I read books and I read, I read books from authors I loved, there was that I knew what I wanted to create. I knew what I wanted to emulate as far as a level of craft and a level of an emotion. And I think for me as a reader, that's the magic of romance is that you're so emotionally invested and there's so much hope in the stories and whether you're laughing or crying, I think the best romance, they really are page turners. You can't stop. And I don't know if it was, it was discipline or at least I had enough perspective to know that the first few things that I put out there, you know, had kernels of what I wanted in them, but not quite they weren't where I wanted them to be. So I did a lot of work. Um, I joined my my local and the national RWA chapter. I got into a critique group, and I was really lucky that eventually I found people who are really my best friends still today. I did a lot of work with craft and story structure. Um, I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell and Michael Haig and the uh, the three act structure. So I think for me it was like a puzzle, and I do like puzzles, and so I wanted to figure out, you know, how that would work. So that that was part of it. That was part of it as well. And then my kids eventually went to school, and so I felt like I had more time too. And so how do you think you've changed as a writer over the last seven years? You said that you write about five books a year. Are most of those, it, it sounds like they're a mix of indie and and traditionally published, but how, do you feel that your writing style has changed or your interests have changed over that time period? I think what has changed for me, I wouldn't say that my writing style has necessarily changed but I've certainly become more comfortable and trusting of my voice. I think when you're, um, when you're, at least for me, the first couple of books or the first couple of years when I was kind of trying to figure it all out, I wasn't, I wasn't sure is, okay, is this good? Is this me? Am I, am I trying to do, do something different? And now I, 
I think it's an inherent thing where I, I really do trust my voice. At the same time, it every book, you know, I, I would love to say that having 30 books published, it gets really easy, but every book, it's like you learn more of what you don't know. So every time I sit down, I feel like, it's kind of like beginner's mind where you're you're starting over of the story and trying to pull out all the special parts in it. So um I think I I think I've grown a lot, but I think I have so so many so much more to to accomplish. Right. And so do your books are they in series or do you have standalones yes. or is it a combination? For the most part, they are series, and um, I I think that as a romance reader, I like series. It's it's how my my mind kind of works in sets of threes. So, um, you know, I think it's fun when you're when you're reading a book to read secondary characters or try to guess who might get the story next. So I have a couple of longer running series with Harlequin special edition. I think my longest one, which is set in the fictional town of Crimson, Colorado is 11 books. And then the current series that I, that I write for HQN, the single title line with Harlequin, um, the Magnolia sisters is the first part of that series and there will be three books the Marist magnolia comes out in october of 2020 and then from there i'm contracted for three more books and we're kind of spinning that off into um it's going to be called the carolina girls and so introducing more people in that world so for the most part i write a lot of small town romance um but even i've set books you know, in Denver, in bigger towns. But for me, I still feel like it has the small town community feel. That's the, that's where my eye goes. Now, are you originally from a small town? No, I'm from Cincinnati. So, okay. um, well, oh, I thought maybe you were like in a town outside of Cincinnati, but you're actually from Cincinnati no, I am proper. Actually, so. I am in Cincinnati proper, but I think it's a really interesting thing about Cincinnati was um, initially built on seven hills around town. So although it's a, it it's not a small town, the little communities feel kind of small townish within there and um, my husband is actually also from Cincinnati although we met on a blind date out in Colorado and he had never he had never even been to my side of town when he grew up because he grew up in his own little sort of pocket of Cincinnati so it's a bigger town with a lot of kind of I think small small neighborhoods in there right right and so in so in your small people think of small town romance as as sort of uh kind of clean romance now not clean is probably not the right word but low low heat level now is that true for yours or do you write some hot high heat level stories as well i wouldn't say i write High heat level, I would say like medium burner heat level um, in some of them. Again, it depends on um, the line and 
you know, the the category romances that I do with Harlequin are more a, a heart and home aligned. So those are more closed door things. I think I have a little more um a little more leeway as far as the, the heat level with the HQNs. Um I did read a review of myself recently, which I don't do very often, but I was on Amazon because I had a BookBub ad, and so I was sort of checking the rank like you do, and um, I came across this review that talked about the explicit scenes, which really made me laugh because to me and what I read across genres and across heat levels within romance, um, so I guess it's somewhat subjective, but I would say medium heat. (laughs) It's so funny reading reviews because, and they say that you shouldn't read reviews, but of course we all do. I had a review of my book called uh, The Girls on Rose Hill, which is very much a women's fiction, you know, family saga type type story with some like, uh, you know, I would say some, some spiritual elements. So not hot and heavy, not a lot of cursing. So one of the reviews I got was, it was a good review, but it said, you know, the story would have been so much better without, without all that cursing. The cursing really took me out of the story. And I had to think, I was like, what cursing? Like, what is she talking about? I think there was maybe like a dam in there, like not, not big time cursing, but you know, it's, it's what the, the reader gets out of it. So I, I thought that was kind of funny. So like they say, you should never read your own reviews, but I, th- I think you have to read it's- them and, and not take them too much to heart, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And I will just say I, that is such a great title. Um, the the girls on Rose. I love it. I that is, I don't know why it's a very evocative title to me. So, oh well, thank you. Actually, it's one of my favorites. It's my writing journey has been a little bit different from yours. I think I started off. I'd always been a romance reader, and I loved romance. I read a lot of chiclet. I actually read across genres, but I I started reading romance when I stole my mother's you know book, and she'd be like, "Where did that book go?" I'd be like, "Oh, I don't know," and it's in my bottom drawer. But so I've been reading romances for a long time. And when I started writing, and it was probably around 2010, my first book, Gold Coast Wives, was what I liked to read. So it was a contemporary romance, uh, very light, airy, funny. And my writing actually has become, and actually by that character, I, I don't know if, if you feel that a lot of your heroines are like you, but that was the one character that was very much like me. Uh, and, you know, it was a 40 something because I was 40 something at the time lawyer, you know, working with child. And so, but then my writing took a very different turn after I kind of did that one, I started kind of jumping, jumping around genres. Then I wrote paranormal romance and then I started doing more of the women's fiction. So the girls on Rose Hill was my first very serious traditional women's fiction with some romance because you always have to have some romance but so I've kind of hopped all over the place so um you know I still do a little bit of romance and I think because like you I joined RWA and and my writing friends are in the romance community so I've kind of kept up with RWA and and obviously on my show I interview a lot of romance writers but in my writing myself I've kind of jumped around and so that's actually in the reading reviews often my reviews will be like, well, this is not really a romance because I'm not really traditional, traditional romance. A lot of mine are just women's fiction with some romance flavor. But anyway, that's my own right. uh, career, that's, wind, that's interesting. career path. 
it's kind of been all over the place. But um, but I think I, I've been uh, I started with a publisher, but I've since self-published. So in some ways, I lack the discipline of a publisher saying, okay, this line requires X because you know I have no requirements other than what comes out of my own twisted little brain. But maybe you could talk a little bit about about your your um, your publishing journey. Did you get an agent first, or did you approach the publishers independently? Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, of course. I did actually get an agent first. Um, although interestingly, I had um, I had pitched directly to an editor at Harlequin for one line at an RWA conference the previous year. And then while I was waiting to hear, I was submitting to agents and um, the agent who eventually signed me, who is still my agent today, um, really loved the book, really believed in it, but didn't think that I had pitched to the right line. And so she, you know, sort of, worked with a a different editor and I ended up getting in the meantime a rejection from the editor who I had pitched to but then the line that the agent thought that it would be good for which was special edition um they they did want to buy the the manuscript and so I felt like it was a very kind of fortuitous timing of events that you know they they always say in publishing you just need one person to to believe in you and I feel really lucky that the the agent did and then that first editor who is no who is is still with Harlequin but doesn't work with that line anymore um but you know, I still see her at conferences and things and I just have such a warm feeling of course in my heart because she was the first person who thought that I was worth a contract so um so that was good and then from there I I had another group of books that that weren't really a fit for what I was writing at Harlequin at the time and um I had indie published a couple of things and then wanted to try something different and that's when we reached out um, my editor or my agent had a great relationship with one of the editors at Montlake Romance and so we reached out to them and then I did a four book series with them so you know I feel like you when you are self-publishing I think it's I think it's great and I think that takes a different form of discipline because the one thing about being with a traditional publisher is once we set the the deadline and the due date, there are things that the benchmarks that I know I need to meet. Whereas on the works that I've indie published, that's all on the author. So that takes to me an immense form of um, self-discipline as well to get, to get all those things moving. Yeah, no, and I, that's why I'm glad I was with a publisher. I was with Lyrical for um, my first few titles. So I, I'm glad that I kind of saw evolution of what happens and what it takes to get a book out um, through through that lens as opposed to going straight to indie publishing. So um, 
So, you know, it, it's, it's so funny. It's, uh, it, I think what, what's really interesting about your story, and probably a lot of writers wouldn't be, be aware of this, is that, you know, you would think Harlequin, okay, they rejected it. You know, they're not interested. Not realizing that each one of their lines is very, very different. And so, like you said, it's, it's, it's great that you had the guidance of an industry professional, such as your agent, to say, okay, well, it doesn't matter that you got rejected there. I think you might this is another avenue within the same publishing house. So that's, that's very interesting. And like you said, it's very lucky and started you off on your, on your way. Now, maybe you could talk a little bit about your heroes um, and your heroines, you know, are, what type, do you have a a specific type of hero? Do you know, do you, are they alphas or they, or, or do they kind of vary according to the story? Um, that's a great question, and I do think I would say they are they are alphas with really heavy betas beta rising kind of sign things. So um, I do I I like to and I and I think this is something that happens in contemporary romance because um, you know when you don't have a mystery element or a paranormal element, um, you know, I, for sure the external goals and that kind of thing are important, but what really fascinates me from the start is the emotional journey of these, of these two people and why they feel like they shouldn't be together and why they are perfect for each other. So when I'm crafting a hero, I'm also typically crafting the heroine at the same time, or maybe I start with the heroine and then try to figure out, you know, what, what is the perfect match for her that is also going to, going to drive her crazy and make her grow and push all of her buttons. So, um, you know, I, I do have a tendency to, um, I would say they're, to me, they're alpha, but, um, they're, you know, not Viking warriors because we're, we're <laughs> contemporary, but, um, so, but they, you know, I like a lot of banter. I like a lot of back and forth, um, between my two characters. So, um, that's, that's kind of what, what appeals to me when I'm, when I'm crafting the two of them. Now, do you write your books from the first person or third person, or do you kind of mix it up? I do third person um, dual point of view. So both the heroine and the hero have a point of view throughout the story. And um, again, I think I don't have a specific um, sort of way that I do it where you know, one scene is her, the next scene is him, or chapters. It, I do let that develop organically as far as, you know, who it seems to me has the most at stake in a particular scene, and typically that comes through their point of view. And, again, it's it's who has the most at, at stake emotionally. We may be seeing the heroine reach her goal of what she set the goal she set for herself at the beginning or what she was trying to accomplish. But if that impacts the hero, you know, and goes into the black moment where they break up and he feels like he's lost everything, then I'm probably going to write it from 
his point of view. And so you, um, one of the things I thought was interesting is that you, you came to reading romance kind of late in your, in your life or later in your life, but obviously it had a dramatic impact, especially that first romance that you read. Are there any particular romance authors that you think have influenced you or who you think your style is similar to, or you explore similar themes? Um, that's a great question as well. I think at the very beginning of um, my journey when I was really reading and trying to figure out, so I did start with um, the first the first book I read, and I don't remember specifically which one it was, but it was a Joanna Lindsay um, book. And so mm-hmm. I read her. I read a ton of Julie Garwood, um, Julia Quinn, the Bridgertons. I was – and even to this day, historical romance is my reward for myself. So if I'm, I don't read a lot of romance when I'm when I'm writing, but I usually binge read at the once I turn in a book. Um, kind of try to yeah. disappear into other things. Um, and so I I tried writing a historical romance because that's what I love to read, and there were. I respect historical, um, any sort of historical author, because the the details that you have to get right, even, you know, the social customs, the food, the dress, that was, that was really, that was a lot for me. So um, it was actually the two authors that I think I read where I thought, oh, this might be where my voice you know, could fit were Susan Elizabeth Phillips, and it was specifically her Chicago Star series, and then Jill Shalvis. I read a ton of, and those two authors, I think, really made me want to be a contemporary romance author because I thought, you know, I loved the message of the books, and I also loved the way you could use contemporary humor to you know, sort of lighten the punch on some really, some really big emotional points. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, um, well, that, those, are, those are great authors that you suggested. And, and I always like to hear what other people are, are reading. And, and I agree with you when I'm in, in the depths, like really into a story, I actually have to limit any kind of fiction writing, a uh, reading rather, because I'll tend to kind of ape, whatever I'm reading and that'll kind of creep into my story and I don't want that to happen. So I wind up reading a lot of like, um, you know, biographies and and nonfiction. Uh, And I, I, again, when I'm done with a book, then I'll treat myself to, to, um, to a reading binge. So, um, so it's funny. I'm glad to see I'm not the only one who does that. (laughs) Um, Maybe you could talk a little bit about your latest book, which is the Marius Magnolia. Yeah, so I would be happy to um, talk about that because I I love the book. It is a holiday. It's a Christmas book, which I really I really love Christmas books as well. I think they it's just a great way to 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 get in the mood. And I think that as a writer, there's so much tradition and fun little details of of the holidays that you can bring into a story um, to, to make it special. The Mary's Magnolia is the second book in the Magnolia sisters. And this series follows th- 
three sisters or half-sisters who share the same father who was a very eccentric and famous for a time artist um, and a little bit of a a little bit of a rogue and a little bit of a rascal. And so they, until he died, they didn't know about each other. And then they come together. Two of them live in the small town of Magnolia, North Carolina. And one of them moves there. And they each, for different reasons, need to reinvent their lives. Um, and they, so there's, there is a romance, but I do think there's a women's fiction aspect to the series because a lot of it follows the relationship of these three women making their way in the world. The Merriest Magnolia is the story of the second sister, Carrie, and she was actually the only legitimate daughter of this artist. She is an artist in her own right, but gave up her art years ago when she was sort of tasked with caring for her eccentric father. And we find out that he really discouraged her from pursuing her art and not for the, not for the best reasons. Um, It was more a competition thing from him. So, and then her, hero um, is Dylan Scott, and he comes back to Magnolia. He had a horrible reputation as a teenager, but now has become guardian of his young nephew, and so comes back to Magnolia, and they immediately butt heads as far as where they see the future of the town going, and what he wants, and what she wants, and the, the the past they have together kind of creeps up, but slowly they they sort of make their way back to each other. And I will say that second chance romance is also one of my favorite tropes because I think from there you just hit the ground running because these people have an emotional past together. So I love diving into a second chance romance, both as a writer and a reader. Yeah, me too. I, I like that as well. well I, and I love a Christmas, a good Christmas story. And since summer is ending and we're getting into the season, I mean, what a perfect time for it to come out. So I am looking forward to checking out the Marius Magnolia. Now, before we um, before we sign off, maybe you could tell people where they could find you online. Yes, you bet. So my website um, is, and it which does have all the books listed by series is www.michellemajor, and that's Michelle with two L's, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-M-A-J-O-R.com. I am also on Facebook at Michelle Major Books and Instagram at Michelle Major Author, and I am pretty active on social media. We also, um, we foster kittens, so a lot of my social media posts, if they're not book and writing posts, they are kitten posts, so um, <laughs> he doesn't need more What's better than kittens a right now. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds great. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today, and, and I look forward to checking out your work. And please, um, please like the Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books Facebook fan page and let us know when you have uh, new releases coming out because people like to uh, check out our prior guests. So please do 
uh, stay in touch. And I hope once RWA is coming, having in live conferences that we can maybe get together. Um, I'm looking forward to the next one. Um, so anyway, um, I would love to, to, yeah, I'd love to catch up in person. Um, just to give talking about, uh, holiday holiday themed uh books um as as i mentioned before i've written uh two series of paranormal romances so we're almost in october almost halloween time so it might be a good time to check out two of my books um the devlin witch which is a four book series the first book book one is free and that's about a series of um irish witches a family of irish witches so again, that's The Devil and Witch. The first book is free, so please check that out. And then my latest books, The Reluctant Witch, which is a two-book uh, novella series for the low price of $3.99. That is also about a, um, a family of Irish witches set here on Long Island. Um, so again, The Reluctant Witch and The Devil and Witch. So if you're looking for a little um, sexy time with some witches and also some scary time as well in connection with Halloween, um, please check those out. Um, All of my books can be found on my website, BernadetteWalsh.com, and also information about Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I have some really interesting guests coming up. So if you're interested in that, you can either check the blog talk radio um, page for Bernadette Walsh or my website, BernadetteWalsh.com. Thanks again for joining me. This is Bernadette Walsh, Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.